0: Morning, Sarah hepla
1: Good morning, Nancy Rommelman.
0: I had to giggle because our guest is giggling and uh that's sorry. a pretty good reaction. No, oh.
2: why are you sorry? You hear the I'm siren? D- you hear it?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're okay. Dead. I'll be
2: right back. Give me five Wait. minutes. Really? Okay. Yeah, I have to go to the bomb shelter.
1: Okay. Oh,
0: okay. So we're just talk gonna talk rep- amongst yourselves. Okay, we're gonna talk amongst that- yourselves. We did it, not plan what that opening. When you have a guest in Israel, <laughs> right? So, um, good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday morning, the twenty. Say, I, I don't know what date is, um, but our guest is the twenty is something. My, the twenty. It's something. the twenty something. That's what's important. Our I, wow, our guest is my dear friend Yael Bartour. We'll talk a little about her and introduce her while she just walked into the bomb shelter, I think with her sister, I could see. I've been to Yael's apartment in Tel Aviv. I've been hosted by her beautiful parents, Ronnie and Lior, who I'm, I'm really trying to get back there and will soon to Tel Aviv. Yael lives here in New York City, um, she used to work uh, in sort of public relations media relations for the NYPD. She did serve, she grew up in Tel Aviv. She served in the IDF. She's lived in uh, New York City for about 10 years. I think she is a, a I think she's a dual citizenship now. And um, she went back to Tel Aviv to be with her family um, first week of October. And we all know what happened on October 7th. and she has been there. Since, um, both because it's not so much I don't think that she can't get out, though I think flights have been weird, but because this is where she needs to be right now with her people, with her country, and also you know, Yale's always been, you know, something of a popular voice on Twitter. People, you know, looked to her I'm trying to hear if we're hearing more sirens, um, her. Uh, following, and I'm not. I'm not saying this because this is a good determinator, but it kind of is. As her following has quadrupled in the past couple of weeks, because mm. she has become a light on the ground. We're here in the United States. Yes, we we read things sometimes, things that later on become incredibly shameful news. News that shouldn't have been reported as it was, but we're not there. And she is, and she has been able to bring us stories from the ground. She's been able to write other people's stories. And she has to do this right now. We, we actually talked earlier this morning. We, we talked most mornings, um, telling me like this is this is where she needs to be right now. Yes, she wants to get back to the state. She wants to see people. She knows that she's loved here. But certainly um, from her point of view, and I think from a lot of our points of view, the world has shifted a bit. And she is one of the people that is is telling us what's going on. So we are really happy to have her here this morning. We can see her. I, 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 we are not videoing this, but I can see her coming back. And oh, that was actually her mom. Yeah. Um, we, so. we should
1: also mention that she is one half of the terrific podcast, Ask a Jew. That's right. I'm Which was
0: actually um, birthed in this apartment um, that we are that I'm sitting in right now. So, Yael Bartur, welcome Good. back
2: from the bomb shelter. How was it? Thank you. Did you hear the... It was pretty close. Did you hear it? Yeah, I don't we know did if you could hear we the, the, the explosions. So tell us um, the what, explosions how, how often. Are, um, it didn't happen yesterday. Whoops! So, sorry that that was just me um, dropping my microphone. Um, it's been every day, a couple times, a few times a day. Uh, yesterday they were off, um, I guess. But here, like they, they don't take any breaks. But like for our section of the city, um, we got a break yesterday. And and so can I you, you just
1: tell us, like, what what is that? Like, what just happened?
2: Oh, okay, sorry. Um, forget that things that are normal here are like not normal in the world. Um, so these are rockets um, coming uh, fire from Gaza uh, by Hamas. Um, they've been firing pretty much nonstop since two thousand five, <laughs> um, but over the last few weeks, uh, uh, more than usual. Um, It's rare in Tel Aviv where I live, um, to have it, but over the last few weeks it's been almost every day. Um, so a siren goes off. It says that, you know, siren says, go seek shelter. Um, most people have a shelter in their home. Uh, if they don't, they'll go to like a communal shelter. You have 90 seconds, which is like a really long time because people in the South have 15 seconds, which is, um, basically like by the time the siren starts, you, you're basically hearing the, you know, explosions. Um, so i've had instances where i come in the um i've been in the street uh, and it caught me and then i have 90 seconds to like find shelter Um, and usually people have been nice enough to come outside and open up a door for people um and yeah and then basically you're supposed to stay there for 10 minutes but we usually leave once we hear the explosion the explosion is likely the Iron Dome intercepting it, but sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it misses. So, but this didn't, this sounded like the Iron Dome. So hopefully that was it.
0: And when you're saying the rockets that have been coming over since 2005, are these um, provided by Iran? How are they getting, I mean, I can't imagine that Um, they can build this sort of artillery in Gaza.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of speculation about that. I think there's a lot of evidence showing that it's, it's financed by Iranian money, but it's also all, unfortunately, you know, all of our taxes that are going to aid, uh, are being, um, you know, the, the, the joke is here. It's, it's not a joke. It's very bitter joke that there's, you know, there's no food in Gaza, uh, but there's plenty of rockets. So a lot of the aid is going to that. And a lot of the, uh, infrastructure, there's videos of, uh, water infrastructure, specifically pipes being, um, converted into rocket launchers. Right. Um,
0: so when you say bomb shelter right now, what was that in your apartment? Was it a like an interior bathroom that you went yeah, into? Yeah,
2: I don't know if there's a better name than bomb shelter. It's like a safe room, I mm-hmm. guess. Um mm-hmm. So every, not every, but m- most houses have them or they have like a communal one, but it's not underground. It's just um um it's just like a safe room so that where, you know, if um like there's an explosion around you, it shouldn't Affect the room.
0: So I gave you a little bit of an introduction when you and your mom scooted off into the safe room. Um, But I'd like you to tell our listeners. You can introduce yourself a little bit if you want. I'd also like you to tell them uh, when you got there and and what it's been like a bit.
2: Yeah um so i'm yael <laughs> i'm friends with nancy um i live in new york but i'm from israel uh, originally so I, I grew up here and i'm i'm actually just happened to be here in israel visiting my family my parents my sisters they all live here um it was my nephew's bar mitzvah um on the day uh on that day on october 7th um so bar mitzvah you know it's a big like uh uh, ceremony that you have when you're 13, we're, we're a very secular family, but, uh, everybody celebrates their bar mitzvah. Um, so I was, I came to Israel for that and I was actually supposed to fly out yesterday back to New York, but my flight was canceled. Um, which is completely fine because I don't really see myself leaving right now. Like I would love, I'm talking to my friends and I would love to come back to New York. I miss my friends. Um, but I would go crazy right now. Uh, if I were there and not here.
0: Um, you and I have been in pretty constant touch since this happened when it first started. You talked about how incredibly quiet the streets were for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And then it seems to have everybody sort of snapped into action. And that seems to be the case now.
2: It's super eerie here. Um, so it was very, very quiet. It's still relatively quiet for Tel Aviv where I live, which is a big, you know, very busy city. Um, but you can't walk past a conversation and hear people talking about anything other than this. I mean, that's the only thing on anybody's mind. Um, it's just a, you know, I think a lot has been spoken about what happened, so I don't need to go through the details again, but um, just the, the, the scale of it and the magnitude is is unimaginable uh, for us. I remember I wrote about this that, um, you know, we're at 1,400 killed and 220 um, kidnapped. And I remember on that Saturday when the news was unfolding and the newscaster said the number had reached 100. And he could barely take the words out of his mouth because... Mm. We would be in mourning, in national mourning then, because we're such a small country. So it's kind of unimaginable to us that we're at this crazy number of 1,400. And um, so everybody's depressed. I I can swear on this podcast. Oh, right. Please. Everybody's depressed as fuck. Um, Everybody's bracing because we really have no idea what's going to happen. We have uh, a very sophisticated enemy uh, to the north. Um, And we have uh, an enemy that we underestimated how sophisticated they were uh, in the South. Um, And we have a big, big old country named Iran that's been pretty explicit about uh, wanting to eliminate us. So, uh, and we have a, you know, a military um, that we put a lot of faith in who uh, did not see this coming. So there's a lot of... um, I don't know we're bracing for something we don't know what but what's amazing is just how everybody is doing something like just planes were coming in with hundreds of people volunteering for reserve duty I just read about a guy who was climbing Mount Everest and he was on his third day and he was like a special forces guy and he took a helicopter (laughs)
1: out. Oh my God.
2: And came to the IDF. Um, that's what people are doing. They're flying from all over the country, from all over the world. El Al, the national airline that doesn't normally fly on Shabbat has for the first time in 40 years, um, brought in flights on, on Friday, on Sabbath because Friday, Saturday, because people want to come and help. Uh, they want to come fight. Everybody's doing something. So if it's making food for soldiers, if it's hosting, we have thousands of families from both the North and the South of Israel. So Israel is very small. It's like the size of New Jersey. Um, So if we have an active front on the North and an active front on the South, so families are pouring into uh, where I am like the center of the country um, and they need to be fed and they need to be, you know, entertained. And, and everybody is just, if it's, if it's kids putting on like puppet shows for other kids or people volunteering to fight or people um, I'll just give you an example from my family. So my father is like who Nancy knows my parents and they're, they're really fun. Um, But my father's been driving all over the country um, just in like, cause there's WhatsApp groups of people who are like, I need somebody to get this to soldiers. I need somebody to take a hundred pizzas to, you know, a community that doesn't have food and they need drivers. My mother is a therapist, so she's been doing um, therapy all the time for volunteering. It's a lot of need for that. Um, I've been doing, I've been posting a lot of these stories that I find just really, you know, kind of make the, the whole, like I said, we can't even comprehend what happened here, but it's easier to comprehend a story. So I've been doing that. Um, and and then it just everybody is active. I'm on all these WhatsApp groups of people like, I need this. I need somebody to go here. I just heard, oh, my God, this is a crazy story. I just heard of a friend of mine in New York, an Israeli, whose daughter was supposed to be on one of the bases that was attacked. And because uh, her mother, who's now in New York, but because her mother was just visiting Israel, she got the weekend off. So basically, like, potentially saved her daughter's life but anyway this mother now who lives in new york um she's been collecting like um, things for soldiers like mostly like warm weather clothes and i'm like how do you get it to them and she's like i just show up at jfk every day and try to find people who are going to israel and ask them if they take oh my them God. And I'm like that is the most amazingly israeli story i've ever heard
0: <laughs> because of, of course us. Of course you would,
2: right? Yeah, that's that's how that's how that's that's what we're doing now. That's that's kind of the level of of um, solidarity we have, and it's not because we love each other. Um, we have really deep rifts in this country that really have come to light over the last year or so, mm-hmm. between religious and secular, between uh, left and right, uh, between kind of elites and not elites, um, and we're not afraid to fight. Uh, but it's kind of one of those things where everybody has agreed that we're not doing this right now.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about your Twitter feed for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy had mentioned um, the kind of like it's become must read for a lot of people, including Aww. me. And thank you. Um, you know, you talked about the unimaginable scale of this. And I think when you read news reports, yeah, 1400 doesn't necessarily sink in. one of the things that you do is to break that down into small human scale stories. I wanted to read one, if I could, that um, just really affected me very deeply and um, this is a story that you posted a few days ago about someone named Shlomo Ron. Mm-hmm. You write when Hamas terrorists invaded his home in Kibbutz Nahal Oz, this 85 year old frail man had a plan. He left his wife, daughters, and grandson in the shelter and went to sit in his living room waiting for his death. He figured that when terrorists break in, they will see him, execute the lonely old man, and move on. He was right. Mm-hmm. He's a, ser- he's a hero who sacrificed himself for the people he loves. May he rest in peace. And I just want to say that this was accompanied by a photo of mm-hmm. the most beautiful face um, of an <laughs> Everybody's older man. grandpa, right? He's like everybody's grandpa, like smiling with this little mustache and glasses. And I must have stared at this. I don't even know how long. And I just wanted to thank you for bringing these stories to us. But I am also curious, you know, and, and by the way, there are these, you're giving people these stories throughout the day, like mm-hmm. there's kind of like two or three new ones every day on your feed. Um, where are these stories coming from?
2: So I can barely catch up. Um, I grabbed them from the Israeli media um, so, and sometimes I'll put, I'll put links because people have accused me of making them up. Um, but they're, um, you know, they're, are so many eyewitnesses, like the story about him came from his family that he left in the shelter and they sure. tried to tell him not to, and it all happened so fast, I guess. Um, but, uh, it, the Israeli media, we have three or four big news channels here and it's been nonstop. And I, so I do, I look at the paper, I look at Facebook, um you know, like every country, I guess we have like our meme pages and our so a lot of them have test personal testimonies from people. And it, it I cannot catch up. Um there are so many. I've already heard one other story about somebody who uh left his wife and went and like hid his wife and went to like look for the terrorists mm-hmm. because I, I don't know, they it was a little unclear, so I didn't post it, but The stories of heroism um, from everyday citizens, obviously a lot of soldiers, but just everyday citizens, uh, Jewish, Arab, um, who just drove in and out of fire to rescue people, um, are, I I hope, like, a generation of kids will will grow up on these stories of, like, Mm -hmm. sacrifice of strangers, people driving in and out, um, people taking weapons off of dead terrorists and going to save their, their friends. Um, one of my favorites was a guy who got shot in the stomach and drove himself to the hospital, but on the way to the hospital picked up more people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, and it, it really like, I, I want to tell those stories too of, of the heroism because I just think it's important to see that, it, you know, what people did for, for strangers.
0: Yeah. Well, um, uh, right. <clears throat> on the podcast, we, you and I were discussing this morning. I can't remember her last name, Michel, who is the mm-hmm. sort of spokesperson Michala now. kotler Wunsch, yeah,
2: right. And she she's was on the an envoy for anti-Semitism, I think. Say that again. I think she's the envoy to, for anti-Semitism. I don't know if the, the envoy to what though. Maybe the UN. I don't know, but she's awesome. It's-
0: she was, and I heard her yesterday mm-hmm. on the commentary podcast, and they were speaking a little bit about this about you know, the heroism and everybody pulling together, like you've been talking about. And she said, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't get a chance to do that in 1940. We now, I'm I'm paraphrasing her, of course, but Israel is, since its founding, it, it is my impression that it knows how to fight back. It has to fight back. It can't yeah. have what happened before. It's it's in everybody's DNA. I mean, you're all you all have to serve, and everybody just sort of snaps to this. You yeah. know, it would be a very different situation if we were in Park Slope. I just don't know that people could cooperate. But there's mm-hmm. a spirit of necessary. They cooperation. They couldn't even uh,
2: figure out how to run a co-op there. <laughs> That's right. but yeah, but I think I want to, I want to make something clear and and not because I'm being, you know, um, critical of Israeli society, but because I actually think it it shows how crazy this is, um, is that we, we, we do fight a lot. You know, we, it is very hard for people to get along here sometimes, especially since we're all kind of, we all wear our feelings on our, on our sleeves and, you know, so, but the idea that we can, and we're not even – it's not like we're holding down the animosity towards each other. It's not like we're being uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like we're, we're like, sucking it up and, you know, helping people that we hate despite feeling that hate. It's just that we kind of snap into – we know that – I compare it to a family. You might really fight with your siblings, but you know it's just you guys at the end of the day, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. When we were Unique- the first – I was just going to say the first t- date I was there and we went to Carmel Market and you turned to me and you, you said, I know it sounds like everybody's fighting, but
1: they're just saying good morning.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah. Um, unique to this tragedy, at least in my memory, um, is that there has been, as as you guys are grieving, as people across the world are grieving, there has been a pretty stunning rise of pro-Palestinian support, uh, or I should say pro-Hamas support um, in Arab countries, but also in places in America. Um, Nancy and I have discussed the the college, you know, the, the different college statements that were put out. Um, but one of the things that is the hardest for me to even make sense of, and I really pride myself on empathy and understanding people, is the... Um, the contagion of of people tearing down posters of the hostages Mm -hmm. the hostages have been like uh, there there are pictures of that here in dallas i've seen it as well it's a sign of solidarity um as well as a, you know, a kind of way to raise awareness about what's going on, put a human face on this tragedy. Um, I have seen at first, I thought it was just a one-off or two-off. I have now seen multiple, many, many pictures of people tearing down, um, these pictures of hostages in various places. Um, what do you make of this? What can you make of this?
2: Um, it's, um, first of all, when I, when I see this and, and, I know this is true for a lot of my Israeli friends, uh, or when I see the people kind of waving Hamas flags or, or shouting like from the river to the sea, uh, which means basically elimination of Israel, it it hurts, I don't know, if almost as much or more, but it, like I said, we can't quite comprehend what happened here yet in Israel, but we can comprehend that. So it's a real punch in the gut. And I know people who are, N- nobody is saying to themselves, like, oh, that's just nothing compared to what we're going through here. So it, it, that really does, like, good job, Hamas supporters, because that works. Like, that that really hurt us. Um, where it's coming from, I, I'm like you. I over sometimes, like, try to, you know, put myself in the other people's shoes. I, I would say my most charitable reason for those people is that it's also hypothetical to them. And... Yeah. These aren't real people, and also so many of them. I, I've seen. I kind of tweet about this. The the timeline of anti-Israel sentiment on Twitter went from they deserve this to none of this ever happened. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of these people maybe think it's made up. Um, wow, that's my charitable explanation. Uh, my non-charitable explanation is just they really, really hate Jews. Uh, for and and the you know the nice thing about anti-Semitism is there's something for everyone. Um, There's a kind of more more um, left leaning anti-Semitism of, you know, whiteness and colonialism, which is kind of funny because Nancy's been here and she knows that whiteness is not exactly a, you know, the way you describe Israel. Um, There's the Arab brand of anti-Semitism, which is just, you know, the Jews need not be in in the Middle East um, and they're vermin and and, you know, pigs and then there's a right-wing antisemitism of, you know, they're taking all our money and they control all the institutions. And they, it's really all come, I've, I've seen people spew like both of them together, which is just really like a, a beautiful collage of antisemitism. Um, uh, but I think, I think a lot of it has been bubbling for many years uh, under the surface in the U.S. And some people have noticed it more than others. I, I noticed it, but I don't think I really comprehended how bad it was um, the, the kind of using Israel as turning, turning Israel, which is a country that's been under threat of annihilation from day one and basically tried to be destroyed by every Arab army, uh, and still is, um, turning that country itself into something controversial and something that you're, you just don't, you know, it's known in polite society that you don't associate with that. And I think that like that managed to, if we're looking at like elite circles that managed to make the country and the people who live there like me, so distant and so other that they're not really, they're just like pawns in this global fight for whatever it is. Um there was a really funny tweet. Sorry, I just have to read this to you because there was this really, really funny tweet because somebody sent me that said, I know, I'm sorry, this is your podcast. And I'm like, no, no, for, for my my funny tweets now. But I feel like people need uh, some humor, right?
1: They do. Yes, do. Um,
2: OK, this tweet. Many people have misunderstood the meaning behind jihad. As Edward Said noted, the Western Orientalist interpretation that it means holy war is incorrect. In reality, the term refers to one's inner struggle for healthcare and walkable cities. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so, not real. It's making
1: it's like a joke. okay 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 thank you thank you thank Aww, you it's a joke. Thank She's you. so sweet. She's um, so sorry, Listen, listen. Right before yeah. this, I saw a sign: "Reproductive justice means free Palestine." No, you're right. So like, Sometimes what's
2: going yeah. on. Sometimes so, reality is stranger than than fiction. But
0: that exactly ties in with what I was going to say. And like, why why is this happening? Why are we seeing this incredibly you know pro sort of Palestinian? Uh, movement here in mm-hmm. this moment in time. Obviously it's partially opportunistic, but I think yeah. that Israel has just become and has for I'm not exact like I never heard the 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 term BDS until I don't know like oh, eight yeah. years. Like it wasn't around when I was in college. It just wasn't like a thing. You didn't you it didn't also means Israel. Uh,
2: Barry Weiss derangement
1: syndrome for a lot. Of <laughs> yes, that's right, we'll,
0: and
2: we'll get to yeah. that
0: to poor Barry.
1: But I um, always hear BDSM too. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. that's BDS, not what it is. I wish. Not <laughs> totally different.
2: I think but of uh, I BTS, the K-pop band.
1: Oh yeah, that too. Mother. There's a lot of we, acronyms that get confused. God, we, should compl- we should explain that BDS is boycott, divestment, and sanctions. sanctions right? Yeah. The yeah.
0: BTS is kind of great, the the pop band. But um oh, I, I think them. it's become another cultural football. It's a little litmus test, especially on mm-hmm. campus, especially among young people that don't know anything. They don't know anything. We we kind of passed around that video yesterday of this girl at the New Zealand, you know, at college. She's like, oh, yeah, Do you want to sign up to be, like, part of the pro-Palestinian? And the, the guy's asking her, what is it, um, Yosef Hadass?" I think? Yosef Hadass like, yeah, who's like, an Arab, Israeli. Can you tell Israeli. me, she doesn't know anything. It mm-hmm. literally is as though someone said, hey, could you just man this table for a while while I go get a donut? And she just, but, and yet... She's ready to, you know, to sit there and do this. It costs her nothing except a little mm-hmm. maybe embarrassment online. But the girls, what what I don't understand, I, I don't know if I was talking to you about this, Yale. The girls that I've seen tearing down the posters, it was in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. It was so thoughtless. And, and I'm using, mm-hmm. I mean I could say a lot of other words. I mean, reprehensible, of course but there's just no thought behind it and it costs her nothing yeah it may yeah. eventually it's cost true. her something who knows because she's feeding she's feeding a hatred without even knowing that she's feeding it and if she's cognizant and, that she's feeding that hatred then that's evil and um, there's so much anger
2: they, in it too right it wasn't like it's not like strategic like let's remove this because it's not good for us
0: it was I, I saw somebody. I saw somebody ask, and and this is a legitimate question, is, you know, listen, as someone who has followed around activists, you know, there's certain things that they're all going to shout, right? You know, oh, mm-hmm. cops are bastards or whatever. Like yeah, there's yeah. a certain, like any city you go to, it's going to be the same thing. And I wonder if there's some sort of like little talking point or action point, like, listen, one of the things we're going to do, we're going to tear down those posters. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think that sure. probably is the case, which is just so Unbelievably sad that yo know, and I and I've and I've said this several times. It's like, what have we done to our children that we've yeah. taught them that slaughter equals justice? Well, what happened? I think
2: also, I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, as, as I know you have. And I want to put myself in their shoes and and think about let us let, take the the people who aren't anti-Semites and the people who aren't fueled with. I'm sorry, there is a lot of kind of bubbling beneath the surface in America. Muslim anti-Semitism, but let's take let's not take these people. Let's take the people who just come to campus and they want to do something good. They, you know, they look at what's going on in in Israel and they see a powerful country, which is true, a successful country, and they look at Gaza and they see a, a shithole, which no Israeli will deny that Gaza sucks, um, even though there is a very uh, interesting Twitter account that I follow that shows all the luxury in Gaza because you know, for are rich that in Gaza, it's called you know what that Imshin, is? I think. Um, okay. I can uh, email it we'll to you, to the put it in the, but, but if you there's a hashtag is the Gaza you don't see, mm-hmm. um, because for for rich people in Gaza, there's there's mall luxury malls and you know, beaches and hotels and stuff like that, but um, and because they're um, superficial. Uh, and because they don't know much, I'm talking back to the students and come combine that with this kind of young American ethos of having to feel like you're, you need to be heard that people want to hear you. I think that leads them to believe that, you know, there's a weak and a strong and they that's know right. where they stand. And it's a very easy conclusion to come to. I, I would probably come to that conclusion too. I'd like to hope I wouldn't be stupid enough to talk about it because i don't know enough but yeah it looks you know it looks like that but the the craziest thing here and ironic thing is if if you are pro-palestinian you should be standing with with the israelis right now because hamas is if you think it's bad what they're doing to the the jews you know what do you think they're doing to people in gaza it's they're using people as human shields Uh, Israel is telling people to leave. The IDF tells people to leave before an airstrike and Hamas tells them, and and this is all in, and you can find this online. Hamas tells them to stay because the ultimate, they either tell them the IDF is lying or they tell them the ultimate sacrifice is to be a, a Shahid, you know, to go to heaven. They use all the money that is given to them for hospitals, for infrastructure, for electricity, for water towards terrorism. So, if you want a, if you want a state called Palestine to, to you know, eventually live alongside Israel, if you want Palestinian people to be free, if you want peace, how can you support Hamas? I mean, it is the most detrimental thing to the Palestinians that I can think of, uh, and that's something I don't quite get. How people, I get how you make that leap, but how are you dumb enough to actually? go and make that your cause without knowing enough. Uh, th- <laughs> it's it's uh, Nancy's much. seen some dumb people I, in her day in Portland so she knows. I
0: have. They don't they don't, you know, my as I quoted my late father before, don't confuse me with the facts, right? This takes mm-hmm. it takes I mean when we all came, came back from Israel, not you because you grew up there, but everybody asked us like, how is Israel? It's like, wow, it's complicated. It's a complicated place. <laughs> yeah. Now let's talk about like the history of Israel and the history of Palestine and how Hamas get in. The when you people still think, you know, you you, you people think that mm-hmm. the Israelis it that there's apartheid in Gaza. Yeah.
2: Well, they, they think, think we they, took Palestine. We they think we took a country called Palestine. Right. We, Gaza is we Israel occupied from Egypt in the Six Day right. War after Egypt, you know, tried to try to basically storm the country so there's so much um that people don't know i mean take the electricity and water thing right now mm-hmm. israel please, please is- talk about
0: this because i see so much hyperbole about this and i don't know the exact mm-hmm. numbers but it's like it's just when you say they've cut off all electricity and all food and all water i'm like that's just not yeah that's just not true
2: yeah well first of all it's not true because they have some independent sources of electricity and water the second thing I'll say, it's not, you know, I'm sorry if this sounds harsh, but it's our electricity and water. <laughs> it's not theirs. We're we're giving it to them. We've been supplying them since, uh, you know, the, since Israel left um, Gaza about 20 years ago. We've been supplying them with our electricity and our water in an effort to kind of get them back on their feet. Now, they're have been, you know, electricity and water plants in Gaza with money invested in them, with knowledge invested in them, and they've all been um, basically, you know, all that knowledge and and money and infrastructure is going into terrorism. So I kind of compared it. There was a wonderful uh, legal scholar on BBC the other day talking about the legality of it, and Mm -hmm. she said something even harsher than I said. She said not only is Israel, like, has legally can do it it's it's obligated to you know that would be the the first step in as as opposed to just you know doing something harsher um but um what i was going to say about that is i kind of compare it to you come in and you murder your landlord or your or your neighbor don't get mad that they're going to change the wi-fi password that you were using um i realize it's a little simplistic uh but at some point we have to be able to use some of the tools in in you know in our arsenal to put that kind of pressure on um especially if you know these tools were kind of more of a, a sign of goodwill or a peace offering in the first place
1: mm yeah but of course you know people are going to have a very strong reaction to uh the suffering of mm-hmm. um civilians in yeah. in this um there was also you know the israeli defense minister had called you know we're we're fighting with human animals there has been some some language around this that has been very hard uh i think for people
0: to take Hello, Smoke em, you have Got'em listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Heppler. Sarah Heppler, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little... Uh, interim moment for you. Um, We're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.